Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates, ready to go Monday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. A lot to discuss today. NFL, college football chaos over the weekend or glory, depending on how you look at it. Plus, the coaching carousel includes Lincoln Riley to USC. Gentlemen, good afternoon. I could argue that chaos is glory in many ways, and we got plenty of chaos over the weekend in college football, and the biggest bit of chaos was Lincoln Riley with the ultimate chess, not checkers move to begin a press conference after the loss by saying, I want to clear this up. I will not be the next head coach at LSU, and no one thought to ask the obvious follow-up, well, will you stay at Oklahoma, or will you be the head coach somewhere else? Skated through that. The whole time he was working out a deal with USC, and it's announced the next day. Um, you know, I, he's pretty straightforward in his answer about why he's going. Like, I just kind of want to check it out. New challenge. Yeah, I don't buy it. Curious. You think it's money? Or he's well, Of course it's money, yeah. but I mean, I think it also has something to do. Chad, over the weekend. The path <clears throat> to victory. Well, it's, no, beyond that. Chad, well, Chad's over the weekend. Something's got to be up at Oklahoma for him to be willing to bolt. Because... At USC, you can at Oklahoma, you can get everything that you're getting at USC. Can you not? He's been to the college football playoff three times at Oklahoma. He can recruit the top quarterbacks at Oklahoma. Well, he can win harder. at Oklahoma. Yeah, it's about to get harder. Well, great. I mean, it gets it, it's hard on Oklahoma as it is. It's going to be hard at USC to build that program back up. So, well, he, I mean, it, he, he could go and win eight or nine games at and in the SEC. He can go win ten at USC, but when the playoff expands to 12 teams, Oklahoma or USC should be in any given year. Agree. I would say, though, in terms of a departure strategy, if you will, I, I don't know that you do much better than that. He's on ESPN that night. He's not hiding. He's not being quiet about it. He's being. He was somewhat stand-up, and he just said, hey, I, I didn't think I was going anywhere but I found some intrigue in this. It feels like a new challenge, and and I, I'm going. I never thought I'd go, but there's so, I'm scratching an itch, kind of. I don't know how many people do better than that for a somewhat lateral move. Well, so to Hutton's point about when he said he can get any quarterback in America he wants, the number two ranked player in America who's a five-star quarterback is from Los Alamitos, which I believe is in Southern California. <laughs> He was committed to Oklahoma. He's already going to Oklahoma. And now he's not. He is decommitted. Well, <laughs> well that's my point. I mean, guess where he's going to go now? He's going to go to USC. He's going to follow Lincoln Riley I, there. The only, thing I, the only thing I could come up with is there is some, and, and there, there may not well, there's, be. There's, two, there's one other possibility, too. The, is there is some divide in the leadership of Oklahoma that, that was not willing to give whatever Lincoln Riley was needing. Because 
you tell me what USC gives you, and I can tell you Oklahoma gives you the same thing, except for Hollywood. But be, uh, beyond that, I mean, it, it, does he want to go to the NFL? You can do that from Oklahoma. You can do that from you. Like, yeah, I, he I would have been up, in the pool this I year. I can't for come NFL up with jobs. any one specific reason why you don't stay at Oklahoma over going to USC, other than the fact that he doesn't want to face the SEC schedule. Well, and lifestyle and weather. and I mean... This dude is from Mule Shoe, Texas. <laughs> like, I don't, it's not, I know he's a good looking guy. He's, he looks Hollywood in ways, but he's not a Hollywood type guy. He played at Texas Tech uh, for Mike Leach. He is of that part of the country. So, Doesn't it's mean not he like he's returning that, home. Though. Can't mean he hasn't been to the beach well, and it's, said, it's, wow, it's, that's a lot better than look, Mule I, Shoe. I'm not going to sit here and argue against the appeal of the USC job. I understand. I mean, we don't, it doesn't take too long to say, you know, why no. USC is appealing. We all get it. But, there's two possibilities. Hutton, you laid out the one that I think there's something up with him and Oklahoma brass that he wanted to leave. I think two is I'll allow for the possibility of fear. I mean, he could look around and say, put me against these coaches in a Pac-12 that doesn't care that much about football and I will dominate. <laughs> yeah, put there, me, there's a ceiling. Put me saying. now into, you know, right into the frying pan of the SEC where, I mean, all due respect to Oklahoma, they're getting housed by SEC teams in the playoffs most years. Oh, right now, yes. They're not losing one game a year in the SEC. They're losing three or four. How come, though? Probably pretty regularly. They're, you don't run through that gauntlet the same way. He sees an opportunity also now, Paul, to your point about opportunity. The opportunity is there at USC if you build it the right way. Well, it's not going to take long to build the right way at USC and get the right uh, recruits, but... That's a much easier road. But how come you use the word fear for him, but when we talk about Lane Kiffin, maybe to Miami, you never use the word fear when we're talking about he's how, already much, taken the job how much in the easier SEC it would twice. be? Right, but if he leaves, if he, well, if he leaves Ole Miss to go to Miami, well, is a much easier let's pathway. All, let's let LSU offer Lane Kiffin any, and see what happens. I don't fear. think you'll see any fear from Lane Kiffin at LSU. Let's also not. I'm talking about the Miami pathway. Let's we also. talked about let's the Miami also, pathway. We said Miami's it's a lot pay easier for to get in. Well, and we didn't say he's afraid of anything. Paul, it's a, it's a good point that you bring up. But it, here's let's not, com, let's not associate Ole Miss with Oklahoma. Okay. Leaving Ole Miss, with all due respect to Ellie Sylvia, our production assistant, who's an Ole Miss grad, Ole Miss is one of the four worst programs in the SEC. I know, but we were saying we were Oklahoma saying Oklahoma and prefer... USC are two of the preeminent top five to ten programs in the United States of America, year in and year out. So, but if I'm not to Oklahoma, would we say you know, oh, it's fear he wants to get out of the SEC? No, Oklahoma's a better job than Ole Miss. I can't sit here and say that USC's a, a better job, a much better job than Oklahoma. The way I can, I mean, you could argue Miami, I guess, but Miami's a better program than Ole Miss. I mean, the possibilities yeah. of Miami are better but than Ole Miss. But I think we were talking about he's him even preferring Miami to LSU, conceivably, at one point on Kiffin. Yeah, no. I, I haven't heard Kiffin's name I, at LSU. Yeah, Kiffin's name is quieted down. I'll, I'll buy that. I mean, I, I think there is a little bit of fear in that. Right. And, and also, I think, like, I mean... He's already playing the schedule, though. He's already playing the SEC West schedule. So yeah, what difference does it make? It's it's a pressure cooker. Well, if he leaves it, if he were to leave it to go to Miami, would you call that fear? No, because he's already doing it. No. Well, he would he's stop saying, doing it. Yeah, he's saying he's electing to not go to LSU. No, he's going to Miami. But the to reason get out of would that. be because he's bolting to go to Miami because he's going to get paid a boatload more money. But with well, our, our whole discussion with Kiffin is can Ole Miss guarantee him certain money that other programs are going to pony up and offer him? Paul's point, though, is if he chooses Miami over LSU, money being equal, is it fear? No, because he's already playing the SEC West schedule. 
but he would he be would not be playing, playing the SEC schedule. <laughs> but he, he's unlike, electing to unlike the Lincoln SEC Riley, schedule. he elected to take a job with an SEC West schedule in the first place. That would be my reaction to that. I, get, I, I mean, I, well, it, I get that, but he would be leaving. It. But then he would be leaving that job, which is, I mean, look, it, he's for more money. <laughs> That's my point. I, I don't think that if Ole Miss wanted to pay LSU and Miami money, they can. I really don't think it's going to be a money decision for Lane Kiffin. I think the Ole Miss is going to match whatever's out there. I think if he leaves, it is a, I can go win a national title at LSU or Miami or Oklahoma. I can't do it here. That's the decision. So what's the LSU? You can call that fear. You can call whatever you want. That's what he's saying. What's the word on LSU now? I know we're going to talk to Trey Wallace shortly. Is there a front runner, Aranda? There's a bunch of uh, (laughs) there. There are a bunch of names being thrown out there, but now they're in the battle with Oklahoma. A lot of the name, like Dave Aranda, is being mentioned at Oklahoma, um, and he's expected to get a contract extension at Baylor. Now they're about to prepare for a Big Twelve championship game, so. Um, there are a lot of question marks involving LSU after what has happened. I'm trying to think of how LSU now, because it does. Because Billy Napier's now at Florida. It feels a bit surprising that LSU didn't get to go first if it wanted to go I first. Think, I think LSU is a bigger mess than people understand. This is a big-time Title IX lawsuit going on right now. Ed Orgeron is getting his full buyout in part because of that, and he's a part of this investigation as well. Um for them to eliminate the perception that they have fallen behind everyone else yeah. in their search. And have to go bigger. I mean, who would they need to go get? Matt Campbell, I guess, would satisfy people to some extent, but it wouldn't be a, necessarily a slam dunk. Luke Fickle would be big. Mario Cristobal would make a lot of sense, given his recruiting ties to the Southeast. Lane Kiffin, obviously, would get people very excited. There's another one that would work. I, I'm at the point now where... I would be surprised if Lane Kiffin is the coach at Ole Miss next year because the market is now really going to heat up for Oklahoma that's in the mix, Miami, LSU, and you've got three programs desperate to make a splash. Here's the problem with Miami. They don't have an AD. They don't have an AD. They don't know who to talk to for AD right now. I don't know who they're interviewing for AD. going on that. Yes. Or they're just getting the scraps. How weird is it because for Stoops? Kiffin's not Kiffin will re-sign with Ole Miss. He's not going to wait around for Miami. How? If he gets a great offer from Ole Miss, he'll sign that and stay at Ole Miss. He's not going to wait and see, let's see who Miami hires before mm-hmm. I sign anything. Maybe they're going to want to talk to me. He's not going to wait out for that. And Stoops is uh, understandably beloved at Oklahoma, but it such seems weird to me to come in to coach a, a bowl game with a roster that you don't – like. I'm coming back into my old office. Who are these kids? Because he it's, loves the program. Yeah. He said he's a program guy. I, I, I love the fact that he's willing to step up and do it. I think that. it's cool that he's willing to do it, but I think it's hard. It's hard. also, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's different because he's been on TV uh, all year. It's very Fulmer-like uh, mm-hmm. in his return a little bit where I'll, you know, I'll come and oversee things a little bit. Obviously, Oklahoma people trust him. Um, it's cool that he's doing it. Uh, there were some just vintage college football things that happened over the weekend. That's one of them. You know, Bob Stoops leaves the big noon kickoff show to return to Oklahoma to coach the team, getting ready for a bowl game. And then you have Oklahoma State playing Colin Baton Rouge uh, by Garth Brooks during the game, during TV timeouts, to troll Oklahoma fans about Lincoln Riley leaving. And he ends up leaving for USC. I should have been more I love LA and less Colin Baton Rouge uh, to get it right. But, but uh, you know what? Really cool. But it's also a harsh reminder 
that well, what Bob Stoops is doing, calling himself a program guy, there are no more program guys. Um, you know, James, James Franklin um, over the last two years is what eleven and ten. He's got a lifetime contract essentially from Penn State to stay. I mean, that, that's a program guy at Penn State. But how many times has James Franklin flirted with other jobs? And, uh, well, and that, that's, to be that's a, the difficulty of college football coaching right now is you can't trust anyone. And whoever the next head coach is at Oklahoma or LSU, it's likely going to be a guy that stood at a podium and said he's committed to winning wherever he's currently residing. I also think to be a program guy, and James Franklin's probably the best example, you need to have had a little bit more success than James Franklin's had. Like, yes, he's the program, but to, to really nail it, you know, you need to have gone to college football playoffs yeah. or had some big I successes. I don't disagree, but the, the difference right it's now in college find. football is if you, if you think you have your guy, not, not that you know, if you think you know, then you extend him and give him a huge raise to keep him and you pony up and match whatever is possibly out there floating in the, the, in the ether of the college football coaching carousel mayhem. So Mel Tucker's a program guy, and he's been there, what, yeah. two years? But they're, you know, they're, they're Mel, gambling I mean, on the fact that he's going to be their guy. Right. Mel Tucker also thing. left Colorado after thing. one year, yeah. you know, bolted from and, Michigan and State. And he turned down the first offer, and they came back to him and tripled it or whatever, and he's like, I mean, okay, I'm not a Colorado. It's, it's also, also, all, all we need to know, Chad, about this is it, this is also the year where the media members point out all these buyouts. Matt Campbell has a $28 million buyout, and he's still mentioned in coaching searches. Because ultimately, if a, if a university wants you enough, these guys are leaving, and they're going to pony up and pay it. These buyouts mean nothing. Million. Nothing. $28 million should mean something, I would think. I uh, mean, when they put that in, they thought that was a stop sign. He has a $28 right? million dollar buyout, and he's listed as the five coaches to Oklahoma They right thought now. that was a red light when they put I, it in. I also think that when Bob Stoops says, I'm a program guy, is why I'm doing this, it is a shot at Lincoln Riley, no who doubt. he handed the head coaching job no to. No doubt. Thinking he named he his successor, thinking this guy's going to be a lifer, or he may go take a chance well, in the NFL at some well, point. But you know what else that but means? But he's not going to leave for another college job. You know what else that means? The next head coach is, is, is somehow connected to Stoops. He's the program. Well, that's what he's saying. But this, who's this is to he has just now inserted himself into the search. This is yeah. I saw I saw uh, Clay Travis that's tweeting about this. Comparison. College football coaching is such a racket. It yeah. is such a racket, and it's I don't know how you put put it back in the bag at this point and get it under control. But the whole thing is so out of whack at this point with what college coaches can get away with, what they can demand and how they can maneuver around these jobs with no non-compete out there, where you can just go, I mean, name other professions where there's no non-compete, where you can go and flirt with any other job, not our profession. raise your stock. I mean, it's, it's just not, I mean, think of corporate CEOs that make millions. Right. You're not, if you're, if you're the head of Coca-Cola, you can't go flirt with Pepsi after a good year. No. And get a raise from Coca-Cola as CEO. It just doesn't work that it's way. Right. Any other avenue. The NFL. NFL coaches can't go talk to other teams and then get a raise from their employer. I mean, it's just out of whack how this thing happens. Lincoln Riley's another example. I'll give you another one. Brad Crawford right now, 24-7, says a leading candidate at Oklahoma, this just coming down, is Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Who was at Oklahoma for three years. Yes. Yeah. And he they said the he is a guy coach. who could capture the locker room. Eh, well, he's also the locker room loves him. He can also keep Caleb Williams. That's why you would hire him. That's a big part of it, and it's mentioned in the story. Program that Caleb done. Williams would stay. That's why you hire him. Hey, quickly, I, I was thinking this could maybe turn into a segment. I, I want to put out a warrant for an arrest. 
Now, this guy may be arrested. Here in Nashville, there's a crucial bridge. There are many crucial bridges, <laughs> but there's a crucial overpass not far from us, less than three miles this direction behind us. And for maybe the third time in the last three years, there, there's a, a truck wedged under this damn bridge. I got back from Boston. The whole city basically shut down in terms of getting around in a highway because a guy driving a semi-truck that has some kind of other truck on it that has a angular, you know, two-arm thing on it, I, I drove past it slowly, is wedged under the damn bridge. If you cannot know whether your thing is going to fit under a bridge or not, you are not qualified to drive a car, better yet, a truck. And I want to see you publicly handcuffed and walked. I would prefer, again, that we go back to the times of stockades so that we can walk by you and shame you, holler at you for ruining Nashville traffic. The jail's not good enough. Stockade. Well, put out a warrant for his arrest, and well, I want this to become a segment for us. Warrants for arrest. Or at least get your CDL revoked at that point. What kind of truck if was that, something Paul? like that. What did I say? A semi-truck. Semi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're what? called semi-trucks, Paul. And the last person who did get wedged under that bridge was arrested. All right. Well, oh, I want really? this one to yes. rest. Yeah. What are you doing? There, there's signs all over with the heights and stuff. Do you forget that that fourteen nine and that you're fourteen ten? Do you know? Oh, do you know how tall your car is? Fourteen ten. No, I know it's not tall enough to get wedged under anything. Just making sure. I want to see if you had your exact measurements yeah. of your vehicle. It's lower than your cars, and your cars go under everything. Fine. Coming up, we get back into college football. We will discuss Michigan's win over Ohio State, Alabama surviving the Iron Bowl in four overtimes, and much more. We'll also look around the NFL with some of the play yesterday and what we learned across the National Football League. When you're traveling to a destination where you don't know the language, it can be challenging to accomplish even the simplest of tasks. And here's Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. Through Babbel's bite-sized lessons, you learn new language skills that you can actually use in the real world from greetings, menus, directions, gaining a deeper understanding of the culture. Babbel is a travel essential. 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. It does, and you know what? The offer is even better today than any Cyber Monday offer you're going to find. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com. Use the promo code OUTKICK360. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Code OUTKICK360. Babbel. Language for life. Live daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, our studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine in Nashville. There is one NFL name that has already surfaced for Oklahoma. And this coach could learn a thing or two on how to turn down a job publicly like Mike Tomlin did. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, bad. He... Did everything he could to not address the issue today, the issue being him being mentioned at Oklahoma um, whenever Lincoln Riley bolted for USC. And he's he's quoted as saying he's focused on this upcoming week for the Cardinals and coaching his team and you know what, what's going to happen through the month of December. He did everything but just say, I'm not taking the Oklahoma job. 
Now, you know, to his credit, if he's interested in it, can't say that he's in a bad spot because he can't say that and then go about his practice day, right? And he also would be crushed if he stands at the podium and says, I'm not taking the Oklahoma job and then jumps to Oklahoma. So he's in a lose-lose situation there unless you answer the question the way Mike Tomlin answered the USC question a month and a half ago. Never say never, but never. (laughs) Listen, I'm thinking about this as you bring this up, and I was thinking about it when I was driving in when I saw the highlights of Cliff Kingsbury's comments. Shouldn't there be by now a PR slash agent booklet on this that lays out every scenario, if A, then B. All right? So for Cliff Kingsbury, if Oklahoma is a possibility, right, and he's asked about it, here is the boilerplate thing to say, the safest way to address it, leaving open the possibility that you would go, but doing the best denial that you can to keep the focus on the Arizona Cardinals, right? Like the three of us could sit down in 20 minutes after the show and write write out the best case scenario for each of these things. And then the three of us, upon hearing each of these things, could say, oh, he's interested. Oh, he's not interested. You know, right? But we should be at a point in sports but the only perfect response, Where we Paul, know is I'm not taking it. Absolutely. No, but that's only if you're, right, if you're definitely staying. But if you're trying to get a raise from your current employer or you're considering leaving, the best response is something that will leave it up in the air right. on whether or not but you're coming back. But it's better than what Kingsbury I'm committed said. to this team right now. I'm not thinking about any of that at all. I'll only answer questions on this team. If you say that, your fans are going to assume, well, something's up. There's a way to he didn't massage, come out and said he's not going. I, I agree, but there's a way to massage it better than Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. I don't think he answered it. And again, I, I, I raise my hand and say, I don't know if there's a perfect answer. There isn't a perfect one, but there is one better than what he and, did. And the reason why you don't, if you're Kingsbury, he also, he also can't pull Mike Tomlin's answer if he wants a raise. Because Cliff Kingsbury's making around $5.5 million this year. Lincoln Riley made 7.2 at Oklahoma. What's Cliff's number? 5.5. God, he's making more than Frable also. But this he's is our standard. But, but just Oklahoma pays $2 million than the guy who's being asked about it from the NFL perspective and is the number one seed in the NFC. So if you want the raise from Arizona, which is notoriously cheap, what do you do? You play your card that you're dealt, which is... Your name's being mentioned at Oklahoma. The other big thing. I, mean, that I, I don't, you don't know how else to, from a PR perspective, it doesn't look great. From a bank account perspective, he's about to get a raise either way. If you pull that card, though, you better be willing to play it and go to Oklahoma. The other I big mean, that, thing. That's the other thing is you got to be willing to take a bunch of money to go to Oklahoma if in case. Right. In case. If that happens and it blows up in your face. But you're pretty sure that Oklahoma's got other options. So they might, they might fix it for you by just hiring somebody else. The other thing that we've learned here with Hutton having all these salaries handy and how many times we've dived into this, we're talking about what a racket the college coaching business is. NFL coaches, I know the the hiring, a lot of them go bust quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you're in your first contract and you're doing well, and you use Mike Vrabel in town here because we know him best, I mean, he's done a hell of a job. Even this year, they're at eight and four, and half of their roster is on IR. And I'm only exaggerating by a little bit. Trust us. I mean, they just fielded a team yesterday. Offensively, the weaponry is uh, not kidding. JV freshman level. Oh, it's preseason quality. Preseason, fourth quarter quality. 
And the guy's making $3 million a year. I mean, he's got, when he goes in for this extension that they're going to be talking about in the offseason, he should be beyond doubled for the work oh, that he's sure. put in here. And hearing these numbers, it's outrageous. And they've got no leverage coming into the league because you're desperate for one of the 32. Now, your second contract, if you have success, you've got a ton of leverage. But those first four or five years, and you want a five-year contract when you come in because you need the stability to hire assistants and wait out quarterback development and all of that stuff, and you have to hit. So for those first five years, you're going to be drastically underpaid. And you look across town in most of these towns to, to a, a coach in a major conference, and this guy's blowing you out of the water. But that is how it should be. The, NF, the NFL has it right here. This is how yeah, contracts and work should work. Yeah, you're right. But you get paid handsomely to run a franchise that makes a lot of money, but you don't get an overly inflated paycheck That's right. for not producing until it's absolutely time. Right. College but, football is so far out of whack, it's a problem for these schools. But I'm saying college football is never going to be put back in balance. So if I'm an NFL coach, I want the NFL to go out of balance too because I'm doing in many ways work. You know, I'm not, the recruiting stuff's not as hard, but winning on a Sunday with a roster of 48 that's beat up and everything is a lot harder than you having unlimited access to play. You know, it's different stuff, but you get what I'm, I'm saying. College football's never getting back in whack. You know, it's like the bureaucracy that goes out of control that you're never going to get back in the box. So if you're not getting that back in the box and I'm coaching on the other side of the bridge at $3 million a year, I'm saying that, that, that's insane. There are also a couple of coaches that are going to be mentioned in this coaching search that at some point, we as a collective media need to stop regurgitating year after year if they don't take a job. Um, and, and number one is Brent Venables who has been at Oklahoma from like 1999 to 2010 or 2011, Chad, as the defensive coordinator, linebackers coach, and the list goes on. Now at Clemson, is he going to actually take a head coaching job one offseason? And if he's really being mentioned at Oklahoma and he's, and he's talked about, this is the job to take for him. Jump. Number two is Matt Campbell. And I mentioned the buyout. The buyout is massive. But the fact that these national reporters are mentioning him, the Oklahoma paper, uh, they are mentioning him as a top five candidate for the position at $28 million on the buyout. Meaning, if he was interested in Oklahoma, they're willing to pay it. They're getting that from somewhere. And they're not just flippantly throwing his name out there just because he's a hot candidate. I mean, they're, they're including his name in a list with Shane Beamer at South Carolina meaning that Oklahoma's interested in talking with him. Well, and I'm willing to bet the Shane Beamer uh, has probably got a pretty hefty buyout also. It's not Matt Campbell's buyout, but in year one, if you leave after taking a head coaching job where he wasn't a coordinator when he took that job, I bet his buyout to South Carolina is pretty hefty also. Brent Venables was at Oklahoma uh, as defensive coordinator from 2004 to 2011. He was there from 99 to 03 as co-defensive coordinator before going to Clemson. He's been there uh, from 2012 to now. I'm with you, Hutton. I'm tired of, of seeing names. I'll throw another Clemson guy, Tony Elliott. There uh, you go. Know, they, those guys pop up for every available job, and until they actually make the jump, I don't know why <laughs> they're up there with, you know, guys who actually accepted head coaching positions and are head coaches to other places exactly. because they wanted to eventually be a head coach. I don't know that's the case uh, with those guys. Yeah, I, look, I, 
I'm totally with you. They've got agents who do a good job putting their name out there, and they're in the pipeline. They're probably good sources for a lot of these reporters. Well, but on the on the second side of this, Billy Napier also turned down jobs last year and then got the Florida gig. So again, like there comes a point where you continue to be offered these these jobs or they inquire. At some point, you got to you got to take the the plunge. And some of these coordinators that continue just to be thrown out there, Oklahoma and Brent Venables make a lot of sense. Same thing for Beamer if you're trying to connect the recruits that he would have been a part of as the associate head coach or the assistant head coach, however they phrase that that title, and then what he's done at South Carolina and what he could save in a recruiting class at Oklahoma, so be it. But there, there's going to be a lot of just names thrown out there and guys getting raises to stay, and there's a reason why Clemson has some of the highest paid assistant coaches in college football, because they're paying them not to be head coaches. And it's you know the media's job in some cases to stop just throwing names out there for the sake of adding one to the list when guys aren't really interested in being a head coach in college football. The one you thing, know, if those guys get jobs, the domino effect is quashed. If Beamer right. gets that job, right. South Carolina's not a massive job, but it's an SEC it job, on. and the domino effect continues. Yep. Who takes that, and then who takes hit the job that that guy left, et cetera, et cetera. I think the wrong NFL guy is being mentioned. I, I would be less interested in Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury based on what he did at Texas Tech, or Which was mainly nothing. what he didn't do. I would take a look at Joe Brady. If Joe Brady's looking around right now as offensive coordinator in Carolina, and uh, sorry that I've said Cam was back. He is not, yeah, based on a- that performance. Um, Oklahoma comes calling. Oklahoma's had great success with coordinators taking over. LSU's the one that he's LSU's t- the other one that I don't, I, I don't understand from. why he's not getting more play there after what he did. But LSU, Oklahoma, you want to keep the offense going, especially at Oklahoma, the quarterback development. I would take a long, hard look at, at Joe Brady if I'm them. Another name, and a lot of people are bringing it up in our, our YouTube chat. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the third hour today. Josh Heupel. Uh, Josh Heupel's buyout is $8 million. A lot less than twenty eight. Lane Kiffin's buyout was $800,000 in 2009. <laughs> if you want to see a difference. When Lane Kiffin left after one year for USC, $800,000. Danny White had an $8 million one in there. I, I think the, the reason I'm not going down this road with Josh Heupel leaving is the AD. Danny White gave him his chance at UCF. They clearly have a good working relationship. He wrote in the $8 million buyout. That's well, why I'm not prepared to go down that uh, road yet. Uh, the, but the other reason why I, w- I would be hesitant to connect the dots on Heupel is I don't know if it was Feldman or Pat Forty or uh, Dodd. Or, uh, or Staples. I don't know which college reporter it was. Everyone reads them all. Um, but one of them mentioned in a column this weekend that, that Heupel and Bob Stoops haven't talked in years. And if that's the case, Stoops is back in as the interim coach, and he's involved in this search. Of influence, for you sure. You really think they're going to talk all of a sudden if they haven't talked in years? There's a lot of mending that needs to go on and repairing that needs to go on behind the scenes for him just to <laughs> bolt. Knoxville. I also for, think for you know. Oklahoma. I, I, you you may be heading down this path. Guys moved a couple times. You know, you get to a place. You've done a hell of a job with the one year building. <clears throat> You're in the best conference in America, at a place with a lot of history. You know, I understand and the then tie your college, to your alma mater. <laughs> the college where you were the quarterback comes calling. I I know that. Um, you know, look, it's it's college coaches, and nothing right. surprises us. You know, we're all shocked that Lincoln Riley left, but are we really shocked? Or do we really buy into any of these guys and their you know no. character and everything else that they 
They take jobs <laughs> based on a whim sometimes, or some of it's money, some of it's uh, opportunity elsewhere and all of that. I will say, though, with Josh Heupel, and I probably this could be played back and used against me at some point if he leaves, he doesn't seem like the type. He just doesn't seem like the type to take the Tennessee job, have a successful first season, and then look around anywhere where he's actually looking around to leave. Now, is his agent going to do some maneuvering and work a raise out for him? Sure. I could see that happening. I don't see Josh Heupel actively sitting there thinking, you know, I need to go now and do this at Oklahoma. Keep this in mind also. Josh Heupel was a great quarterback at Oklahoma. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist at Oklahoma. He's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. He played JUCO before transferring to Oklahoma. This isn't like an Oklahoma lifer situation. Yes, he coached under Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops also used him as a scapegoat and fired him. And that's why they haven't talked since. So I'm not going down that road the way a lot of Tennessee fans are going to panic and go down that road right now. And if you notice, Bruce Feldman's latest list does not have Josh Heupel on it at all. Well, it depends how many times they get turned down before they pick up the phone and go down that path. You get the fifth, sixth, the Roy Williams path. All I was saying, that my thing is, and I, I, this has to factor in for some guys. Like, I just did year one of a rebuild, and I'm on a pretty good track. No matter the connections and everything. Do I want to just go do what I just did, or do I want to be going into year two where I'm on a good track already? I think about that, like, personally. I would be ready to, to be at year two and going forward after having laid all that groundwork instead of saying, I'm going to go start at point one again instead of being at point four. And I'll, I'll also I'll, I'll say it. I mean, Oklahoma's been to the college football playoff a lot under Lincoln Riley. That has a lot to do with the coaches there, Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley. And sorry, Big 12 fans, there's a reason they left that conference. There's a reason Oklahoma dominated that conference for years. It's not a very good conference compared to the SEC. I don't think Oklahoma's that much better of a job than Tennessee when you put them both in the SEC. They're getting the same paycheck from television. They're, it's not that it's a better job because they were getting to the playoff regularly in a worse conference. Oklahoma's not getting to the playoff regularly with any coach when they come to the SEC, unless that coach is Nick Saban. Well, uh, the twelve-team playoff, they will. You know what, though? Uh, just as an aside, I bookmarked this this weekend when somebody said it. Uh, next year's Big Twelve isn't looking too bad right now with Baylor, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Houston all playing in championship games. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather play Bama than Georgia right now. Oh, absolutely. Also, it's not, it's, I don't think it's going to be a straight east-west split when the new SEC comes about with all these teams. So it, it's tough to look at it right now from a west-east perspective and who you're playing every year. Just know Oklahoma is going to be playing an SEC schedule, and that's going to change things for them. One, one coaching opening that maybe, you know, maybe in September we were saying, yeah, it's likely going to happen or it's close to happening is not going to happen. And that's Harbaugh at Michigan. What a victory. What a victory for the Wolverines over Ohio State where they won in the trenches. Chad and I were driving back from Auburn listening to this game. Uh, I went back and watched the, 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 the majority of this game. The way that they manhandled them up front, Ohio State wanted nothing of it. They, they pushed them around and won the physical battle. They, Michigan brought a sledgehammer to this fight. And Ohio State never really tried to get back in it. it. They could not make the big play because Michigan won the line of scrimmage and won the rushing attack. I love that this period that Harbaugh installed after last year's loss, I think they called it the 
something Ohio period. They don't say Ohio State. But that was focused on just what you're talking about, winning in the trenches, oh. running effectively. It was, and they it was ran super 41 carries for 297 and yards, 7.2 yards per carry. Look, I and then like McNamara made some big plays. I mean, McNamara too. I like a field that's covered with fans after the game. This field covered with fans after the game made the field indistinguishable from the crowd. It's so covered that it's just a bowl of people. Big House is not, um, from what I've heard from people there, that impressive really as a facility. Because they just but, go straight back. There's right. no second But back. when the field is just covered with people blending into the bowl, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating-looking picture. And you couldn't help but feel like what – and the way those guys were talking, like the quarterback says, this is what you come here for. This makes everything you do worth it. That's what's great about rivalry weeks, right, and the best rivalry games when you hear guys talking about – Everything we've done for four years was about this moment right now, and it's all worth it. Well, here's if what, you don't get chills from that, you, you don't have sports fandom in your blood. Here's what fires me up. They put Jim Harbaugh in timeout for a year yeah. and said, earn it back. We gave you the biggest contract in college football. Show us that we were smart in doing so. And Jim Harbaugh didn't pout. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to go be a coordinator somewhere else. Give me my buyout. He said, this is my alma mater. I came here to beat Ohio State's ass. I'm going to do it, and we're going to get back to work. And he went out and did it. And I hope this is a blueprint for other programs. And I don't. Nebraska's trying to follow suit with this. We'll see if it works with Scott Frost. By the way, one of the craziest stats you'll ever see in all of football is that Nebraska scored the same amount of points they gave up in Big Ten play this year, and they were one and eight. Yeah, that's amazing. They won a game by 49 points over Northwestern. And then they lost eight games by combined 49 points the rest of the way, which is crazy. But I hope this sets a precedent now where you don't see so many programs ditching Pay a guy up. quickly, paying the big buyout, trying to find the next coach, and actually sticking with a guy and seeing if he can make it happen. I don't know if it was the AD. Harbaugh would have been fired in the SEC. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely he would have been. I think it was the AD. It might have been the president walked by Harbaugh right before, right after the press conference in earshot of at least one reporter and said, you hit a home run. When you could sum it up just like that, like, hey, this whole thing worked out and that's all we want, you know, that, that's pretty big. And what a, what a shakeup of the college football playoff. Let me add to that too quickly, Hutton. Harbaugh would have been fired if he wasn't a Michigan, former Michigan quarterback and the alum they brought back to do it. If he's just another guy from another school, he's getting fired with his resume not beating Ohio State. They took that chance because he's an alum, similar to Nebraska doing it for Scott Frost. From derailers to bar tape, Competitive Cyclist has you covered. Nutrition to racks, trainers to tires, helmets to bids, the cycling kind of beyond. Do you spend your hours online researching your dream bike? Some people love this stuff almost as much as the experts at CompetitiveCyclist.com. And today, Chad, a great time to check out all of the Black Friday deals. It's always a good time, but especially right now. Competitive Cyclist is the online specialty retailer of road and mountain bikes, components, apparel, and accessories featuring cycling's standout brands, but the real difference at Competitive Cyclists are the gearheads. Equal parts customer service and cycling fanatic. Gearheads are former pro athletes, Olympians, and seasoned cyclists with years of experience, all available by phone, email, or chat for product recommendations and hard-won advice. So go to competitivecyclist.com slash outkick360 and enter promo code OUTKICK360 to get 15% off your first full-priced purchase plus free shipping on orders of $50 or more. 
Some exclusions apply. Go right now and get 15% off plus free shipping at competitivecyclist.com slash outkick360 and enter promo code outkick360. Competitivecyclist.com slash outkick360, promo code outkick360. Green Bay Packers took down the Rams yesterday in NFL action. New England knocked off the Titans out of their number one seed perch. We'll get into that a bit later in the show. 49ers back to their winning streak. Three games now as they win over Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, just an update on his injury, not season ending on the shoulder injury, uh, but he will miss some time. The big news in the injury-related for fantasy football players out there, Christian McCaffrey on injured reserve. That's notable because it's the second time he's been placed on IR. He is done for the season. Uh, Also, Jags tight end Dan Arnold uh, has been placed on injured reserve with a knee injury. Now, uh, three big games, though, to take away from the NFL weekend. Steelers-Bengals, Bucks and Colts, and Ravens-Browns. A lot to dissect in those three and playoff implications in all three stadiums yesterday. Let's start with the Steelers and the Bengals where Cincinnati dismantled them, just destroyed them. 31 points in the first half. And (laughs) uh, Joe Mixon set a career high in rushing yards before the third quarter even ended against Pittsburgh's defense. There's a lot of discussion about Ben Roethlisberger, this being the final year, and... This is what it comes down to. Peyton Manning in his final year with with Denver was not that good. Their defense and their run game got it done. And they were able to elevate everyone else based on a couple of areas of their team. Pittsburgh's not doing that with their veteran quarterback right now. Uh, Yes, he's old and slow and looks like he hurts and he's all sore. All that's true. He's not having a great... It doesn't look like he's having a lot of fun. All that seems to be true. The truth of the Steelers is they, they've given up 900 yards and like 80 points combined to the Chargers and the Bengals over the last two weeks. And they ran for 51 yards yesterday with four different running backs. That's the issue with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the other issue in that division, here's Cincinnati, right back in it with two straight wins after some bad losses. Yeah, they went through a little downturn. We call things statement games too frequently in the NFL. That's a statement game. And uh, to, to me, probably a changing of the guard. Not necessarily the division. I mean, all right. four of those teams are pretty good. Cleveland's fading because of the injuries. But I think Cleveland's a well-constructed team with a lot of talent. But Cincinnati, to me, a year ahead of schedule, is better than the Steelers. They, they have established themselves as better than the Steelers. The old guard and the new guard flip with that result and for the, for a lot of the reasons you described Cincinnati's young and talented they've got a running back that can go the way Pittsburgh usually does um, and they've got dynamic weapons and they've got the young quarterback that was Ben Roethlisberger what 15 years ago right and I, I, I'm all in on Cincinnati it, and, and the Steelers look like a dead dying team to me that's at the end of a long successful road it's kind of hard to watch it they were great 
and it's time to rebuild. They are uh, the Cincinnati is a high ceiling, extremely low floor team based mm-hmm. on their play. But boy, are they fun to watch with Burrow and those young receivers. T. Higgins getting in on the action yesterday on a deep touchdown. Also, Jamar Chase looks like he's going to be a star in this league. They need to fill in. It's a fun group to watch now. You know, offensive non sexy stuff comes next for them. Yeah, but they're they're built through the run game. Yeah. They can turn around and give it to Mick. He oh, had 28 yeah. carries for 160-plus yards yesterday. Yeah, and I'm talking about the young receiver. That's not even putting into account one of the best running backs in football yeah. in Joe Mixon. Their young but receivers are terrific. The Bengals will not waltz into the postseason. They, they will have to prove it and earn it. Their upcoming schedule to finish the year, Chargers, San Fran, Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland. It's no walk in the park for the Cincinnati Bengals a team that's already lost to the Jets. Well, we'll get into the other big matchups from the weekend, including the Colts and the Bucks, and what was Frank Wright thinking with some play calling in that game against the defending champs. That's next on Outkick 360.